Greetings. This is the Christian Witches Podcast. Welcome. I'm your host, Valerie Love, also known as Kaisi. And in this episode, which is really fascinating, we did a deep dive conversation about the many Noahs. So to give you a little background about this podcast episode is we were in our clubhouse room and it was recorded. Now, the first half of the, of the recording is not good. So I didn't want to upload it to the podcast in that condition. So we will be giving you a synopsis here on the podcast, a very clean recording. The first part of this podcast will be a very clean recording of a synopsis of some of the things we talked about in the Clubhouse Room. The Clubhouse Room's title was, There Were Over 200 Noahs. And what does that mean? It means that in this episode, we're looking at flood stories. There are 300 to 500 flood stories around the world. And many of them have startling correlations similarities to the Noah story that Christians are very familiar with. And it is clear in my mind, you'll have to make up your own mind because I'm certainly not here to tell anyone what to think. We simply present all the evidence. It's clear in my mind that the Noah story is derivative and that there are older stories that serve as the source material for the biblical flood story. Let's get into it. Before we get into it, a quick word from our sponsor. As I mentioned earlier in the intro, all of this was recorded on the Christian Witches, uh, in the Christian Witches Clubhouse today, and yet the recording of the first half of that, half of that conversation was not good. So I am giving the Cliff Notes version here. I apologize that we couldn't give you the raw footage from the room for the first half of the room like we normally do because I love, love, love the rich conversation and the rich discussion that we have in the Christian Witches room, yet the recording is just not good. I don't want to subject you to that. And so I'll give you a brief recap here of what we discussed with regard to Noah, the actual flood stories that we looked into, and then you'll hear in the later part of this episode discussion about people, water as an element, the cleansing power of water, why we're drawn to the ocean, how the ancients viewed the water element, water deities, and a lot more. Truly a rich discussion. And we even dive into more aspects of magic and spirituality when Jared enters the room because he uh, is that famed wand maker who made my first handmade personalized wand, wand that was specifically handmade for me. He was the maker of that wand and you can see it on my YouTube channel. ValerieLoveTV.com. If you go there, it'll take you to the YouTube channel and you'll be able to see that video. I may actually post that video on the blog as well because it's just an incredible video of me baptizing the wand 
initiating the wand at the ocean. So you can say that the water element is throughout this entire episode and we deep dive into the ocean and all things water. Let's talk about the stories that came up in this rich conversation around the many flood stories. Now I was told that, I was never told that there were more than one flood story. We knew about Noah and that was it pretty much. Yet there's so, 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 so much more than Noah. So let's go to the stories that for me have proven enough in my mind, you've got to come to your own conclusions yet. Yes, they have proven in my mind that the Noah flood story is derivative. That means it came from somewhere. It is not an only account. It is not a the first account. It is not the original source material. And this is true of much of the Bible. A lot of the Bible is derivative. It came from Egypt. It came from other places. We can prove this. And I don't see that as a bad thing. I see that as syncretism unfolding in the region, as all people have done throughout human history. We've taken on things from other people that we like. We've discarded things. Those who were conquerors came and discarded things that they didn't like. And so humanity has always been in this beautiful flux and integration and amalgamation. And we connect with each other and we pass ideas back and forth. That's a beautiful thing. There's nothing wrong with that. So I don't view the fact that the flood story in the Bible is not the original story. That's not a problem for me personally because I still have all of the benefits of the mythos, the legend of the flood story. For me, the flood story stands for a lot. It stands for cleansing. It stands for, now I don't really believe that, you know, an angry God killed everybody except for eight people that were in an ark with the animals and so forth. To me, that's not a literal story. And of course, it, it, there is no archeology or uh, evidence from archeology span to believe that th this was one cataclysmic global event, as you'll hear from the stories. Many of these were localized floods, and there could have been very um, devastating floods that did affect many different regions around the world over the course of many thousands of years because of the melting of the ice caps. And so we did have rising water on this planet. And, but nothing that says, that this whole entire planet was engulfed in water all over and there was only eight people that survived and we know the story. So there's nothing for me to prove that this story is an accurate story of history. I don't look to the Bible as a book of history. I look to the Bible as a book of um, an energy manual. So. Let's talk about the first one. The first one that we'll go to is the Sumerian conversation. So let's just give a recap of, of these flood stories that we talked about in this particular episode. One is the Sumerian flood story that features Ziatsara uh, or Ziatsura or Ziatsudra. You'll find the name different, uh, spelled differently. And he was the king and a priest of the city of Shurapak, 
on the Euphrates River. So it's very important to understand that many of these stories you will find that they were on a river. If we go a little bit uh, closer to our time in antiquity, we follow the, the line. Then we come to the Babylonian story of Atrahasis. And Atrahasis was also given command or given the, the, they spilled the tea that there was a coming disaster that was going to be a deluge and that this was going to happen uh, at the hand of the gods because humans were, in some stories it says humans were making too much noise and in other stories it says that humans were evil as it says in the Bible. Then if we look at the Greeks, the Greeks also have a flood story and their flood story features Jupiter and Neptune and the surviving couple were Deucalion and Pyrrha. And that was a fascinating story as well, though this particular story did not involve an ark or the building of a vessel even warning in the first place. Next, we have the story of flooding in China. So even if we go to the east, we find that there is flood stories and flood legends in China. There, as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, there are over 300 to 500 flood stories all around the world. So you can go into every culture and you will find flood stories. And I would imagine that this is very normal and reasonable because, uh, as we mentioned, there could have been, at the time that each of these cultures lived, there could have been rising waters because of the melting polar caps. There could have been uh, an inability, as it was in China, an inability to tame these two mighty rivers, the Yellow River and the Yangtze River. So these two rivers were giving them grief, you know? They would flood and then flood all the food and the people didn't have anything to eat and it, it, was, it was bad, it was very bad. So they had to come up with a solution to this issue. And then we go to the Mayan of Mesoamerica and the Maya, have a book, sort of like what I could describe as a Mayan Bible, called the Popol Vuh. And the Popol Vuh, that's spelled P-O-P-O-L-V-U-H. The Popol Vuh has in it also a story, a fascinating story, of flood, flooding and it clearing out a lower form of humanity, actually our progenitors. In the Chinese story, I also like that there's shape-shifting and there's also a couple of elements that we find in the Bible as well. So let's start with the first one uh, of these five stories that we get to take a, a brief look at. In the first story, the Sumerian story, and the only reason I start there is because the Eridu Genesis, which is the, the creation story, we could say it's the Genesis story, from the Sumerian culture. Now, in this episode, I don't touch on the African stories, uh, legends of floods, even though, of course, there are. I touch on five that are very, very uh, prevalently known or that are um, more easily researched than some of the African stories which are told uh, many times orally and passed on orally, so we may not have as much documentation. These five stories you'll find rampant. You'll find documentation all over, so it's very easy for you to be able to research these. 
And before we go into the five, here are three considerations that I also offered on the this morning in the clubhouse room. By the way, you can join us in the clubhouse room on Sunday mornings. It's great. It's amazing discussion, as you'll hear shortly. That there are three things required to be able to do this work of being, as we talk about in the room, a spiritual detective. One, research. Read, 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 study, study, study. You will definitely have to do research far beyond what is taught to you in church. Number two, meditation. Meditation on what we learn. Number three, critical thinking skills. Now these are not in any particular order. You, uh, they are, these are three potent tools we have at our disposal to get to the truth. And critical thinking skills can never, can never be tossed out. I've seen so many Christians twist their, themselves into a pretzel to be able to stay with a belief that they have. And I just never wanted to be that kind of person. I did not want to believe something because I believe it. I didn't want to believe something because people told it to me. I wanted to know the truth. I want to know the truth. I want to understand humanity and our place in the, in the cosmos and understand the implications that it has for our soul and for the whole. So I was not interested in just looking at things from a Christian perspective. So that's why I'm one of these person, people that digs into, and you'll even hear in the discussion, one of our sisters from Islam, I believe it's in the part of the the recording that we that it's very clear that you'll hear at any rate she is also from Islamic faith and she had incredible shares with us so I was never interested in just looking at things from the Christian perspective even though I was really inculcated in fundamentalist Christianity I had to break free and what were the three things that helped me break free and what are the three things that I still use today as a detective as a spiritual detective one, study, research, read books, watch videos. And I'm talking, when I say study, I mean study archaeology, history, psychology, magic, the occult, Christianity, world religions, Islam, mythology, alchemy. I mean, my soul, higher self and soul have led me to study so many things. And you probably have found that to be the case too in your spiritual walk, that you are just studying so many things that you may have never looked at as a Christian, if you were a Christian. So those three things are critical. And I wanna just put that here because we said that on the, in the room this morning, that these three things are critical. Study or research meditation, to meditate and reflect on what we've studied so that we can toss out what doesn't work and we can have discernment and wisdom to understand what is real and what is not. And we won't be taking on flights of fancy. And, third, and that everything we talk about has a root or has a basis or has a firm foundation in truth. And of course, critical thinking skills, to be able to use your mind as a laser as a sword, as the Bible says. The Bible says that it itself is a double-edged sword. What if you made your mind into a sword or a laser that could cut through, uh, you know, separating the, the meat from the bone? 
and going to the core of a matter. That's what we desire. So we need all of them so that we can really come to the truth and you can really find what works for you. Story number one, the Sumerian story of Zietsura. Zietsura was told by the god Inki, who was from a pantheon in Sumeria, Inki and Enlil, Enlil, his brother, and Inki's wife, Ninhursag. Inki was the son of, in the Sumerian uh, mythology, Inki is the son of Anu, the great creator god. Now, in the Babylonian lore, Inki is the son of Apsu, and this is very important who he is the son of because Apsu is the primordial sea that is under the earth. And his mother, so Apsu was his father, his mother was Namu, and Namu is the primordial mother goddess, and she gave birth to the heavens, heavens and earth. So you can already see that he's a water god. He is a god of the waters. So you would imagine that he would figure prominently into both these flood stories, the flood story from this ancient Sumerian, as well as Babylonian. Babylonian and Assyrian also have their heritage in the Sumerian, as far as I can see, as far as my research takes me. And of course, anything that you find inaccurate in what I'm sharing, if you do the research and you find something inaccurate, please do comment on it so that you can let us know about corrections because I do lots of research and uh, we want to always make sure that we're accurate with what we're talking about. So the key about this Sumerian story, story number one, the Sumerian story, is that this takes place on the banks of the Euphrates River, as was mentioned earlier. And what we understand is that the ancient people didn't have a way, of course, many, many, many thousands of years ago, they didn't have a way to communicate with people on the other side of the world, other than the ones who were seafaring. Of course, we have instantaneous communication with everyone all over the world. Of course, as we know, that was not the case before. So in the ancient world, there were really pockets of people who never saw any other people and would have thought that that world, that their world was the world. So you can understand that some of these myths say that the world was destroyed. It wasn't the world, it was their world. Now, what happened? Zia Sutra did build an ark, a vessel, and this vessel was, as it's described, was a cube, cube-like, and it was six stories high. And you might say, how in the world is a cube going to float on water? Well, that's a good point. However, I did see a very fascinating uh, teaching from a curator at the British Museum who uh, went into the documents, into the manuscripts, and the Bible, particularly the Bible manuscripts, and got the exact measurements and took all of the exact wording and instructions from the original text and found that the ark indeed, uh, or this kind of vessel that the instructions were given was a round vessel. And that would have fit early Iran where they did have round vessels, and I think they even have them to this day, round vessels that you would get in and would float on water and they were practically unsinkable. So I just wanna throw that little piece in. In the Sumerian legend, Zietsudra survived. And when he survived, of course, because he went into the vessel, when the flood was over, and the flood lasted mm, seven days in this narrative, 
Now, in some narratives, they last different lengths of days. As you see, when we go to the Greek narrative, it's a different time period. Yet in this particular one, it was seven days. And then the God of Noah's God, uh, it was 40 days, as we know. In Genesis chapters six through nine, where it speaks of Noah and the flood. Well, when this whole thing was said and done, and Zietzura, Sudra, Zietzura emerged, he made offerings, him and his wife made offerings to the gods. And it was said that the gods gave him eternal life. They touched him on his Enlil, was able to be uh, appeased by Inki, his brother. Hey, we can't do this to the humans again. This is not good. Why didn't you consult with us? Because supposedly in the narratives of both Sumeria and Babylon, and I keep referring to both of them together because they're so closely linked, they work with the same pantheon of gods. It was said that Enlil was the one who was bringing forth the flood to cleanse the earth because humanity was either too loud or too evil. Now, in the Babylonian legend of the flood, the Noah there, and I call them many Noahs because to me, that's how I look at them. I look at them as many iterations of the same core story. Atrahasis is the Noah of the Babylonian story. And in that story, Inki, same, very, very much similar, Inki gives the 911 or the 411, well, it could be both. It would be a 411 and a 911 to Atrahasis that he needs to leave his house, get his wife, build a vessel. And there's instructions on how to build this vessel, take onto the vessel gold, silver, the coppersmiths, the, all the smiths, the craftspeople, the artisans, and also take on there the animals. So in both of these stories, they did have a vessel, and the vessel had all of the wherewithal to restart the human race, because it was thought that the human race was being wiped out. Atrahasis did this, and both of the stories also feature that when they came to a completion, after the great rains came and the storm and stormed and stormed for days and days and days, that after the time that both of them, this is common to both of the stories, that Atrahasis or uh, Zietzutra opened a portal, looked outside and saw that water was everywhere. And they sent out a bird. The first bird that was sent out was a dove. Uh, in one of the stories, the second bird that was sent out was a sparrow. The dove came back, the sparrow came back. In the third story that was sent out, a raven. The raven did not return, which was the signal to Atrahasis that there was land. It found a place to rest. Now, all of this we'll recognize from the Noah story. In addition, in the Bible it says that the Noah's Ark came to rest among the mountains of Ararat. And in the Atrahasis story, it says that the vessel came upon a mountain called Uratu, U-R-A-T-U, Uratu. And this mountain range was in that area of where is Iran currently today, modern day Iran. And that 
this is quite likely the same mountain range spoken of in the Bible. The, the name, the, the linguistics is very similar to what was spoken of in the Babylonian legend with Atrahasis and what's spoken of in the book of Noah. So if you study, I would say study the Eridu Genesis, and I would also say to study even the Epic of Gilgamesh, where it talks about um, this in depth. And I would also say to study the pantheon of the Anunnaki, because the Anunnaki, by the way, are, are in the Bible, and the Anunnaki are known as the powerful ones, or the Elohim. The Elohim, of course, we know is a plural word. This is not one God, these are gods. So these many gods are spoken of in the Bible and the fact that they came to earth and they procreated with the women of the earth is, is also in many legends and stories, including Bible and that will be spoken of in a different podcast episode. Let's go to the third instance of a flood story. It's very similar to Noah, yet this would have been after the writing of the Bible and this is the Greek story. And in the Greek story, Jupiter and Neptune are bringing about the flood. And we know Jupiter and Neptune are, of course, water gods, yes? Now there's another Greek mythology story where Zeus brought about the flood. Either way, there were two who survived. Now they did not have a vessel. They survived somehow by wit or by cunning, or they were able to go really high and avoid all the flood waters. Now in the Greek mythologies, the flood happened for nine days and nine nights. So we can understand that in all of these legends, there is a specified time that it seemed like it was just pummeling the earth. And you can imagine even now, um, even if we have a hurricane, the hurricane only comes for a day or so. And it's quick and it's fast and it comes and it destroys everything and then it's gone. Can you imagine a storm of biblical proportions, to use the pun, that goes on for seven days or nine days or 40 days? Uh, this is massive destruction. So that's what we have here in the story. Well, in the story, Deucalion and Pyrrha survive, the man and the woman. And when they complete, when they come out of their place of hiding after surviving the flood, the gods were even impressed that they survived. And of course, they offered sacrifices to the gods and the gods were pleased and the gods said, okay, then you all get to live and you get to restart the human race. And how they restarted the human race was that Deucalion, according to the mythology, was to throw a stone over his shoulder or throw a stone over his head backwards and he created men and Pyrrha. She was to throw a stone over her head or over her shoulder behind her and there would be women appeared. And that is how Deucalion and Pyrrha restarted the human race after the flood had wiped out everything. Now just to briefly touch on the Chinese legend and Mayan legend, in the Chinese legend Wu the Great, also known as Wu the Engineer, spelled Y-U, and I do not speak Chinese, so please forgive me if I'm not saying that name accurately. Uh, what we know about the Chinese is that they have two great rivers. They have the Yellow River and the Yangtze River. So these two 
great rivers, as was mentioned earlier, could have caused a lot of trouble for them. Flooding was an issue. And so, ooh, the great engineer, or the great, was chosen before he was even born. So the emperor was having all kinds of problems with this flooding issue, just water, water, water. And the emperor went to the top of a high mountain and he uh, beseeched the gods to help him. And the gods decided that they were going to send a chosen one. And the chosen one was U. And many years later, U was born. Well, when U was born, he began to be trained to understand about water, the essence and energy of water. And they said that his father, had built a dam to try to deal with the issue, but it didn't work, and the dam fell apart, and the father was exiled because he made the problem doubly worse. Not only did he not solve the problem, but they spent all the money and the time and the energy and the manpower to build this thing, and then the thing fell apart, and this is just a disaster. Well, ooh, understood why it didn't work. He went to the emperor and he said, it didn't work because it went against water. And we're not here to go against water. We're here to align with water, to go with the flow of water. And he understood water. And so, of course, he was able to solve the problem. It took him 13 years. And he was so selfless. This is a very important recurring theme in all the flood stories, that the person is somehow selfless, that they want to save humanity that they are helpful, that they are willing to sacrifice themselves in some manner or their comfort or their home or really sacrifice everything because, ooh, uh, they say in 13 years he only passed his home three times and each time he passed his home he never even went in. And that his wife was really on board with it as well because this problem had to be solved. It was such a huge problem. It had to be solved. And we're talking property and life and limb here. We're talking about humanity and, and having a safe, happy, fulfilling life. There was probably nothing more important than getting this problem solved because, of course, the devastation was just vast. So, Ooh was also a shapeshifter. And he was able to go to the mountain and shapeshift into a bear. So, one day he told his wife, When I beat the drum, bring me food, that'll be your signal to bring the food over to where I am, to where I'm working. So he goes up to the mountain, he shapes and ships into a bear, because of course he's just seeking answers, answers, answers. He had, he had gone throughout China, he had mapped out the canals and the streams and the rivers and so forth. He'd even diverted some river waters so the river waters could run off to the sea. I mean, he was into it, he was into it. So here he had the ability, of course, since he's a chosen one, he had the ability to shapeshift. He shapeshifted into a bear, and he stepped on the drum accidentally. The wife heard the drum, rushes over with the food, sees her husband as this monstrous bear, and right there she freezes into stone. Now, does that sound familiar? You see, these stories, uh, you will find when you read many, 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 many stories of the Bible or examine stories in the Bible and beyond the Bible, you will find that these stories are actually more universal than not. So of course that sounds like Lot's wife. Well, eventually you did solve the problem of flooding and that's why we call him you the Great and he was the founder of the first dynasty in China because he was able to solve 
a very big problem, and that is of the floods. Now, let's look at the Popol Vuh, which is the Mayan story. In the Popol Vuh, it says that the first people were not really human. They were made of wood, and they went about on all fours. And they didn't have a soul. And because they didn't have a soul, and they were not connected to spirit, they were dastardly. They were killing each other. They would do things that were pretty horrible. So the gods decided, okay, we, we've got to get rid of this species because this is just a disaster. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> this is just a disaster, and this is not going to work. This is not going to work. So, of course, the flood waters came to wipe out this whole former creation and to cleanse. So again, we have the theme of cleansing the planet. Well, after the cleansing, uh, it says then that the gods created humanity, the new humans, from corn, maize, which is a staple throughout Mesoamerica, highly regarded, almost like uh, rice is a staple in Asian countries, in Mesoamerica, and even throughout Northern America, maize or corn is revered, is a staple. And then the world continued on. So you can go into the Popol Vuh and find also a flood story that is a cleansing story. Now in all of these stories, it was somehow resolved. It was settled after the flood. And there was always some kind of pact with the deity or some kind of approval by the deities that they would not do it again, just as in the Noah story. God said, I'm gonna send a rainbow, that will be the sign that I will never destroy the earth by flood again. And the same thing happened in the other stories, that there was some kind of divine approval of the humanoid beings who survived the flood or solved the flood issue, that now these beings had some kind of enduring blessing from the gods because this is some kind of human that is, be, is selfless, serves humanity. All of the qualities and attributes that we would imagine would be of the higher order. These stories are fascinating. There are 300 to 500 flood stories all over the world. And I would offer that peer into them. You know, I'm writing a book right now about the lies we were told in Christianity and the truth. And that Christianity is the minority of people on the planet. Yes, about a billion, billion and a half people are Christian. And there are people who are Islamic, people who are of uh, magical traditions and spiritualities. There are all kinds of religions and all Buddhists and, and Zoroastrians. There are all kinds of spiritualities, Hindus, just all kinds of people on the planet. And the whole point of our shared, we have a shared destiny. We are all in this together. The whole point of our shared destiny is not to fight over the differences, to find the oneness and to find points of accord and connection so that we can become evolved, ascended beings and not fight with each other. Let's get into the discussion on Clubhouse.
Excellent. Let's go to Divine Lady Ninhursaw because we know Divine Lady Ninhursaw knows all about this. Inky and Enlil because her husband's name was Inky. So talk to Hello. us. <laughs> She's deep into it. Blessed day. Yes. Loving this conversation. Yes. I was definitely uh, a, a child that loved the, the mystical and the Greek uh, stories. And my father would have us watching all kinds of sh movies like, um, what's that, Jason and the Argonauts and. Uh, you know, just all those fantastic movies like that. So it's always been a part of my childhood and growing up. So it was no question that the story of, you know, the Anunnaki gods is definitely near and dear to my heart because I am Lady Ninhursag. Uh, she did offer her name to me, so I was blessed in that way. And yes, Inky, he was a, a husband of mine. <laughs> I like how you said that. He was a husband of mine. I like how you said that. She sure did. You, you caught that, right, Robert? And she said it so casually. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll tell you, the story of the um, Epic of Gilgamesh, now, I haven't really gotten into that uh, as deeply as I would like to. And the, I think it's Gog and Magog, uh, I hadn't really gotten into those like I want to but what I wanted to share was I love that this this healing the water the water is definitely uh, a key uh, in all of the cleansing and the purification and healing because a lot of my ritual um, especially ritual baths I always thank the spirits of the water for their clearing, for their um, purification, healing, and cleansing powers. Um, and I that, that's what the gods of those times, I guess, were doing with the deluge, which is the floods, to clear the earth of, you know, the things that they no longer wanted to see on earth. So this is very key. Uh, I like this. And I've always lived by the water. Uh, many times I have went to the water, not really knowing early in my spirituality, not really knowing what I was doing, but I was drawn there. I remember spending a very cold New Year's Eve on a beach. I don't know if y'all know Chick's Beach. The um, ones like in Maryland, uh, up at, you know, you, uh, Coach, and Robert, and anybody. Uh, Kicks Beach is a beach in Virginia Beach. But I think I was, I was going through something emotionally, and I found myself alone on New Year's Eve night. And I was drawn to go to Chicks Beach. I have no idea why, but I spent quite a few hours in the dark alone on a beach so it's something about being drawn to the water uh that is fascinating for me also you know i love 
I always have been drawn to mermaids. And in one lifetime was revealed to me that I was a mermaid named Cora. Uh, I think I shared that on one of the uh, Enlightenment Circle episodes when we used to have the Enlightenment Circle. I know that I am connected to the Mer Kingdom. Uh, like I said, I always lived in the beach, and my father and family were always, we would spend so much time at the beach, and my father would just jump in the water, and he would stay gone for hours. It seemed like hours, but it had to be at least 30, 40 minutes just swimming. And then he would emerge from the water uh, like he had just been out there for maybe five to ten minutes or so. Well, the where that came to a close was when my father drowned in, uh, I think it was 02, because he was a very great swimmer, but he had got caught in a rip current uh, that day, which spread from Virginia Beach all the way through Norfolk, all the way to Hampton, which is Buckrow Beach. And, um, you know, just to get to the basis of what I'm saying, is that it was revealed to me at that time that my father was all these years visiting the Mer Kingdom. That was revealed to me spiritually that he was visiting the Mer Kingdom. And that's, they, they looked for him like all day. They couldn't find him. And they didn't find him till the next day and he was in the very spot that he went down in because, you know, family was there, so they saw him going down, and his body wasn't touched one bit by any, you know, bottom feeders like crabs and fish and, you know, whatever, the ones that dwell on the bottom. But he was in pristine condition, uh, and it just, the water... It's definitely a spiritual place. And we also know that this is where, you know, they say space is in the water. I don't want to go on too far without having, you know, some input. But that that's what they say. I mean, I don't know how deep we can go with this. What? We are in Christian witches. Go deep as you want. I mean, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> you have to ask? <laughs> spirit was taken to his essence was taken to the Mer kingdom that he willingly went well, what is your sense about that because I do hear some people who are daughters of Yemaya and they say they do not go into the ocean because Yemaya will take them 
because she loves them so much, she she will bring them with her. And mm -hmm. oh no, I was just gonna answer you, but I'll wait. No, that's it. That's the question. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, it was actually revealed to me at that time that that's what had happened. He actually went on to the kingdom and, and stayed there that time. It was revealed to me in a spiritual way, like us knowing. You know how things are revealed to you in a knowing, like there's no conversation. It's just, it just, just comes to you. Oh, yes, of and course. When he had, when he was jumping in the water and he was just gone for so long. I mean, we were forget he was gone. He was gone so long until he emerged from the water again. You know, just walking out. Mm -hmm. So that sounds he, totally like a mer person. That so, sounds yeah. totally like a mer person. So it re was revealed to me that he had been visiting the mer kingdom all of these years. And on that particular day, it was time to go. It was time for him to stay there. And I'll tell you, it, you know how they always say that uh, somehow souls know when they're about to leave because they do things a little different. Well, just I'll give you a quick little. We had a family reunion that weekend. My father is one of 11. So all the family is here. We're having our family reunion. And my father is doing something totally different. He's like this totally different guy. He was an alcoholic and a drug user. But this weekend, he did not drink. He did not use any drugs. He, he was a double, a doubly addicted to alcohol and drugs. Okay. He had been going to AA. And I guess no one really knows, but he was always the prankster, the jokester. He was always the uncle that everybody loved. He was very fun-loving. So we're at the February reunion. We're having this session where everybody can come up and they can share something. Well, he recites a poem from memory, and the whole family is floored because they never think of him as this type of guy. So... This whole weekend, he's showing, he's so calm and serene, and he's showing a side of him that no one knew. And then that Monday was when all the retirees and the brothers and sisters get together and they go fishing and crab. So that's why they were at the beach that day. And that was the day that he said goodbye. Wow. Wow. What was the poem? I can't remember. I'm gonna have to ask one of my sisters if they remember what that poem was. But it was it was quite lengthy. It wasn't like something that you could memorize, you know. It was something that he had been working on. And he remembered the whole he recited the whole thing from memory and everybody was floored because they never took him that serious because he was a jokester kind of guy and plus he you know had his alcoholism that he dealt with uh so no one took him seriously but afterward all the cousins and everybody was like wow that was amazing it was just a fascinating it's just fascinating isn't life fascinating 
it is <laughs> never, never ending, <laughs> never ending fascination, especially in my world <laughs> of magic and mysticism. When you go down the magical path and let yourself drop the veil and see beyond the veil and let yourself be aware of things that most normal humans are very uncomfortable letting themselves be aware of. It's an infinite universe with all manner of beings in it right here with us on this planet. All manner of beings. But, but I love this because it, uh, you know, I, I'm one of those people as an artist, whatever, I always like to know what is behind what happened, what, what is happening, what's going on, and why people do what they do, known or unknown. I too have always been drawn to water. When I was in Europe, I almost missed a call to get on the stage. I'll never forget it. It was in, uh, in, in southern Italy. And I decided just to walk around. I wanted to find my way. I didn't want to be with the other singers, just walk, walk, walk. And found out we were near a pier that went out almost a mile into the water. Robert went to the end of it. The, there was a, uh, a chair, a bench at the end, a mile into it. I had fallen asleep out there. I was just looking at the sky, just like blown away. Here I am out here. I found this water. The water was serene. And of course, the view was as far as you could see, nothing but water in the sky. I had fallen asleep. They had put out a search party and everything. Had no idea. Somehow I woke up and I had like 10 minutes. And I'm dashing down this pier. <laughs> I'm just running, running, running. And they're screaming, Robert, Robert, there he is. You know, And it became a thing. I think we were there one month. And any time someone said, we need to find Robert, or we have a call, or just let's have a meeting or something, they always say, Robert is down by the water. And me, my whole life, you know, being drawn to it, especially someone who wasn't taught to swim, yes, I'm one of those people that used to be afraid of water. Our African-American, darker-hued people that were afraid of water. Now, I was never afraid of it because as a child, uh, when we had a family reunion, we were down at Rock Creek Park in D.C., those of you that know. And then when we were down by the part uh, where the cars could drive by the water, the, drive through the water, and there were sections of the water. And a cousin fell in. I didn't know how to swim. Who was the first to dive in? Well, so uh, it's just amazing that this water connection, and when I look at my life, and go, well, why was I drawn to that? So this is fascinating. I've also had a very strong connection at the water ever since I was little. Um, by the way, I'm sorry for joining late. I just got out of church. I didn't even know if this thing was still going on or I missed it all. Hey, um, Jared. Welcome to yeah, Clubhouse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is my first time using this thing, so I'm kind of new at it. I don't know exactly what all I'm doing. I'm just sort of going with it. But, um, <clears throat> lady, I actually loved everything that I heard you say. I connect with a lot of what you said there, and I also know for a fact that I also had a past life as a mer person as well. Um, and uh, Roberto, that's very fascinating that you um, you were ne you never learned to swim like that, but you had that connection with the water. Um, I don't know what the topic is with the water situation with this, because like I said, I came in late. But I wanted to share it because ever since I was a baby, I've and I'm, I'm originally from uh, South Florida. And um, God willing, by the end of the month or early next, God willing, I'll be back. But um, <clears throat> I've always had a connection with feeling whole and complete and healing whenever I'm in the pool or I'm by the beach. And um, 
I get a little bit of a, of a connection, like, towards rivers and streams and creeks and lakes and stuff. It's nice, but it's not the same. And I think, I think the biggest thing is it's this salt water that draws me, or it's the, um, it's the, the pristine clearness of, like, a pool water, because it just, it feels like it feeds my spirit. And um, there's been a lot of times where I have uh, had to go to the side of the river just because uh, I'm drawn to, um, I need to release something or I need to bring in cleansing and healing. And, um, no, it's, it's just a very fascinating thing. And uh, I do connect with, um, with the mer people um, when I'm in the water. Ever, ever since I was a baby, before I even heard or knew anything about the Little Mermaid or anything of the sort, uh, when I first started doing doodles and drawings, I was actually drawing um, stick figure uh, pictographs that actually mimicked exactly what the ancient um, cave drawings used to be in, I believe it was, I forget what area of the world it was from, but there were ancient cave drawings of stick people and mermaids, and they had like spade tails. They didn't look like fish tails. They looked sort of like a cross between a manatee and a dolphin tail. And they were just like stick people, and they had their spears, and they were in pods, and they're hunting things or whatever. These were the cave drawings. I didn't learn about this until maybe 10 years ago or something, but whenever I was a baby, I was drawing those. And I've always felt a connection, um, like I was one of them, like I understood what they were actually doing. Um, so I just wanted to throw my two cents in, with, you know. Um, I, I find what you guys say very fascinating, and that I also connect with the water this way, and the other mer people can as well. Welcome to Clubhouse, Jared. Everyone, welcome Jared to Clubhouse. This is his first time. He has the new sticker, welcome, too. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Thank you. And Jared, you have a new sticker that's um, it's on for seven days, that little celebration sticker that's on your icon. I was wondering what that was. I was, was like, is that there by default? Do I change it? Did I put that? It's your seven-day sticker, so after you've been on Clubhouse, to let everyone know that if you go in a room and you do something that is, we don't, you know, that's not done on Clubhouse or whatever, they're like, oh, well, you're new. You don't, you don't know how Clubhouse works yet. So it's like, you could do anything you want for these seven days. You can be as scandalous as you want and get away with it because you have a new sticker. <laughs> But in those seven days, you learn how to, you know, navigate Clubhouse. But if you want to mute your mic, you just go to the bottom right corner and you see the little mic thing and you can mute your mic yeah, unmuted. Yeah. And then you see, you'll see all about Clubhouse. Clubhouse is just an amazing place. I love it. I love it to connect. And we're here every Sunday family, every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time for our Christian Witches Church, our Sunday inspiration. We have incredible guests and incredible conversations. Sundays. Oh, we're on Clubhouse Monday through Friday also at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. We're in the Wealthy Goddess Room this week. This is the last week in the Wealthy Goddess Room Monday through Friday because we're finishing up a 40-day prosperity plan. 
that we are engaged in with John Randolph Price, his book, Principles of Abundance. So we're on Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern time up until this Friday. Now, after that, we will probably be on again in the Christian Witches Room for A Course of Miracles because we, we always just keep a lively conversation going on Clubhouse. So it doesn't really matter what we call it or what club we do it in. But you can see the club at the top of the, um, at the, top of the room. And if you tap the little green icon the little green house you can join that club and then you can see what that club is all about uh, jared i think you're gonna love it on clubhouse because there's just so many riveting conversations going on it's just conversations you know it's so many riveting yeah. conversations here is there anything that you guys do on here that's usually like in the evening because you know I, I tr i'm trying to get back more involved with my church before i do actually move and you know i work you no know, i work during the week you know a nine to five situation um, so I'm going to miss a lot of it. Now, I was wanting to, you know, kind of see what it was like and jump in. I'll probably jump in after church, you know, for a bit, <clears throat> like I'm doing today. But um, I was just wondering, do you guys do anything in the evenings? That's an excellent question. Um, on the full moon and the new moon, we usually have rituals at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time or those evenings. Now, this past full <laughs> new moon... Uh, I totally missed it because my time was totally turned around. <laughs> Robert was like, Rev, you okay? <laughs> oh, goodness. I was... So I'll, I'll just make a note about the, the new and full moons. And, mm -hmm. um, I'll probably, I'll, I'll probably uh, join in then. And, um, you know, if, if I have time after church, if, if I'm not kept over too long or something. But, um, yeah, though that's probably whatever I'll be joining in. But... Um, Thank you for inviting me. No, seems nice so far. Of course, Jared. You, you know how much I love you, Jared. And family, I have known Jared for how many years, Jared? Oh, God, I don't even fucking remember. <laughs> <laughs> 11, 12 years or something. Jared is... It's been, it's been a long time. <laughs> Jared is I, so I, I, amazing. We started talking on the Facebook about maybe not even a full year after you first started putting your videos out about uh, what it means to you to be a Christian witch and uh, what's the devil in your craft and I mean there isn't one and um, you know what about do like whatever you put out those first starting videos on the YouTube like 10 12 years ago whatever it was less than a year that I found and we started connecting on the Facebook and then after we were connected on Facebook Messenger, then we went to text, and then we went to WhatsApp. <laughs> and now here we are on Clubhouse. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Jerry. Uh, for the others that are listening, um, she's referenced me in the videos many times over the years. I, I was the former wand maker. I made her wand Wanda that she had anointed at the beach. So, this oh, is the wand no. maker. This no, is the wand maker. He's a former wand maker, but he's also a potions maker. Y'all have no idea of the depth. Yes. Remember that story very well. A lot of herbal alchemy. Um, um, you know, highly um, sensitive with clairvoyant information, and I'm a. Uh, I do a lot of uh, intuitive counseling with my friends around that come to me. Um, no, uh, I I know pretty much how to teach and develop. And I, I don't, I like saying this all the time because it sounds big headed, but I promise it's not. And I, just because I know it doesn't mean I can do it, but I know how to do and how to teach 
pretty much almost any psychic power development, um, including the kinetics. Um, it, no, I'm, I'm trying to develop more of that myself, but uh, I, I've, I've studied in, a lot of the stuff that I know, I've kind of intuitively known or past life memories or stuff that was dropped as little uh, tidbits here and there from my grandmother or my mom growing up or in spirit afterwards and um, stuff that I just inherently know. And a lot of times if I were to go to books or videos or whatever, a lot of times it's just I feel like I'm reminded instead of learning something new. And um, I, I was studying psychic power development and everything as early as about seven, six or seven-ish. And uh, actually studied, uh, I, I don't practice witchcraft by my by my, what it means to me <clears throat> anymore. Um, I did that through my teen years, and I studied a lot of different forms of magic and um, you know, witchcraft and druidry, shamanism, etc. Uh, from about 12 to 13 through um, 19 to 20-ish. And uh, no, I've been Christian all along. Um, I had a huge spiritual awakening, which if, I can go into some other time or something, but my path completely changed, and that's whenever um, I've realigned myself to work with magic in a different way. I don't cast spells anymore. Um, I don't make wands anymore, but I use wands um, in a certain way. Um, I just focus on my uh, spiritual powers and prayer and working with natural healing for the most part. Um, but um, all that was kind of explained to Val in the past. Uh, it's one. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we're hearing you. Oh, my phone fell asleep while I was talking. <laughs> yeah, we hear you loud and clear. Everything I heard actually cut off because my phone fell asleep. Yeah, we heard everything. Okay. <laughs> I want to ask you, Jared. Have you told your story before? Because I'm I'm getting a deja vu here. I've told you the story before. You told... You told Queen Vashti the story before? Lady Ninhersong, you told her that story before? I've read it to you and I've texted it to you. And over the WhatsApp, we've talked about it before. Yeah, I know know it very well, but how would she have known about it? Who was talking? I thought you were talking. Oh, no, that wasn't me. That was Divine Lady Ninhersong. I know your story well. Oh, okay. Lady, I don't know how you know. You're probably getting downloads from, from God or something. Right, and I, I've heard this story before, and I can almost have a visual, uh, I'm, I'm getting kind of a visual sense of you as a young man, as a young kid, standing kind of like in your home in the mountains. It, it, I don't, it just came, but it seems like I've heard this story before. No, I've never told anyone that because um, they don't know you, first of all. And second of right. all, I always thought that it was a private story. Not that, not that you told me to keep it secret. I always I felt like it was your own yeah, unfoldment that you were going to share eventually. Gotcha. So yeah, at, at the time it was kind of more private and everything. I'm a lot more open with my life now. Um, not a hundred percent, but a lot more open. Um, but yeah, that that's um, that's basically what it was. And um, it, it, whenever people 
about my um, spiritual path or my practice, I've boiled it down to just saying I'm a spiritual Christian. You know, um, um, I work with magic. I work with the Bible. You know, um, based on what I actually do, some people would still say that it's a spell. Some people would say that it's not. Um, so just based on my own understanding of how uh, the Holy Spirit explained it to me and myself, uh, what I do is not witchcraft, even though on the outside, uh, not all, but a lot of what I do may look like witchcraft. So um, I just, I've always been drawn to witchcraft anyway. I've had to have been witch, wizard, druid. I know for sure I was alchemist and a druid, at least in a couple lives. I know that much. But, um, I've always been drawn to it um, ever since I was a baby. You know, as, as a toddler, I was doing ritual circles with toys and a belt as the circle, and I put like a Halloween skull and a pumpkin on one side and everything. I've got pictures of the damn thing. But, uh, so I've always known I was magical. My family's always known. It's just, um, I guess, what my spirit is um, aligned with in this lifetime. It's really, fasc- <laughs> it's really fascinating because we can't escape who we are, right? It, it'll come out one way or the other, and you're a very spiritual person. You're in tune to dimensions beyond the third dimension, and there's really no way of escaping it, you know? And then you, you work with it in your own individual way. Each person gets to work with it in their own individual way. That's a very personal thing, your spiritual walk. So personal. Yeah, and not, and not everyone has the... Even, even if um, you share the same core beliefs of uh, Christianity as a faith, not a religion. I, I hate religion, um, but I have found truth through Jesus Christ and know father god i have found truth there no but i i follow my faith and you know what my what the holy spirit puts in my in my heart um i don't follow specific dogma unless it happens to align with what the holy spirit downloads in my spirit but um no there's a lot of other like val we've talked about this a few times we have a few different differences on how we um believe in our faith but the thing is we're still we still have that thing in common and I imagine it'd be the same for Lady or Devosha or Roberto or then I'm just gonna say it wrong. I'm sorry. Then then Elise, then, then Il- the other one in here. Denelzia. Um, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> you can just call me Nelsie's jail, right? Yeah. 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 It's like my little icon, just Jay. Just call me Jay. It's fine. <laughs> but um. We all have. I, I imagine the rest of you do. I don't. I don't know you. I, I don't know about fairly well. But um, no, we you know have a strong Christian, you know, root with our faith. But between the practices and some of the other things that come into play with our own experiences, we don't share the same identical uh, faith truth. But it's still, in in a sense, it's still related. And I think that that's interesting to kind of see how it can be the same, but different at the same time. Yeah, it's very fascinating. We have a lot of elements that are absolutely aligned, and we have a lot of elements that are not. And we're both at peace with it. It's not, yeah, it's never been like, 
a problem. It's always been like peaceful. A, no, I'm right or you're wrong or anything like that. It's just we have a difference with it, with, with some with some things, and uh, there, there's a peace with it because that's your reality. This is my reality, but yet you're still an amazing teacher to me. You know, all these years later. Um, I still once in a while go back to your old videos about manifestation because there's something that I know you said that I need a reminder of you know so I, I think all that kind of stuff can kind of just be just kind of like off to the side if that makes any sense yeah and you know what's fascinating family when you all look at this wand that Jared made for me I've shown it to you on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, go look on YouTube for that video. It is so detailed, and it is it still remains like one of my favorite wands ever. It's so detailed, and it's so thoughtful of who I am. Like, that was the first wand that I ever received that yeah, someone she's made. she's got the cross on there. She's got a butterfly. Uh, I the forget butterfly about an elephant, there. but I forget that. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Wait, she's got let me tell you. Uh, it's, it's all wood burnt on uh, poplar, and it's about 13 or 14 inches long, if I remember correctly. It was a very simple whittling work, but all the detail was with wood burning because I had just got a wood burner, and I wanted to experiment more with that. And I have a very similar one that's um, 11 inches that's um, got wood burning flames all over the side of it and ruins going across, spelling out, amen. Uh, but... Yeah, that, that was the wand that she's referencing. You know, it, it's the, the one with the wood burning on it. Not only that, he said wands for uh, when he was clearing his collection, his coveted collection, yeah. and my... Yeah, those were nice <laughs> that box, various books and bottles and rune stones, and there were a few wands in there. And then um, whenever I was going through, you know, getting rid of um, my wand collection, not, not all of it, no, because I have more wants than any sane person should ever have right now. <laughs> hey, you can never have too many wands. You can never have too many wands. <laughs> but um, I was just going through the ones that I either basically have two versions of or I never really go to because I go to wants the way that Val would go to her witch hats where there's a personality attached to it with an energetic connection. And if you're trying to work with that particular energetic connection, then you might feel a, a gravitational pull towards using that hat or using that wand. That's how I would use the wand and still do. Um, I never, I, I don't, as of that big spiritual awakening, I don't focus on wood properties or stone properties, none of that. It's only an energetic property of what the individual thing has itself. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go into a tangent on that because that could be like a whole hour of speech. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I still work with those. And But, but the, what she's talking about, there were a few, I believe, oh God, what's that kid's name? Enzo, I think his name was. Oh my goodness, Ether and second, Enzo, they both have wands second, from you. Enzo, um, yeah, my grandbabies. Showed, yeah, whenever you would open that box in their video, um, one of the ones, it was about 11 to 12 inches, and I believe it had like um, kind of like a, a wood burn or carved in a diamond pattern on the handle, I think it was. But that one chose him. Yes, it did. And it was instantaneous. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, there were only four that I sent that um, I did not make that either. They came from uh, 
you know, there's another winemaker that I still buy from from time to time out of uh, Rockwood, Texas. And um, there were a few in there that um, I thought that would like. And then one from Alavance that was discontinued. But um, yeah, there, there were a few in that video that I had, I had actually made. The one with the amber that actually broke, unfortunately. Which, by the way, Val, did you ever get that fixed? No, but I hold it together and I have it wrapped. So it may mend itself. It's all good. I think it was the energy. That's all. Awesome. You put too many wants together in one place and their own personalities are about to clash. Yeah, something happened because it was a very, it, no one did anything to it. So, you know, the spiritual energy of these things has its own directive and its own intelligence. And I've had many things that I've used that have killed themselves. They commit suicide. I I used yeah, I, the crystal ball that you have. Oh my that. goodness, that crystal ball was exquisite. And I'm telling you, it just jumped onto the bathroom floor and shattered itself into a billion pieces. And I'm like, okay, that's the end of that. It it was like I'm over. I'm done. Or it took the energy in and then it dispersed it or got rid of it. Yeah, and same thing with the waist beads. They just explode and come off. I've had bracelets do that, beaded, you know, crystal beads. They are beyond for the longest, and then one day they would just explode and come off for no reason at all. And it is energy. I've seen that happen with hematite uh, rings. People who have hematite rings, they go into a place that's either extremely negative and very toxic, or it's highly haunted, and they're working through a lot of cleansing to try to get rid of everything and try to clear it out that it ends up being too much negativity for the ring and it actually absorbs it and then explodes on their hand i've seen that happen yeah i i believe that was probably one of the the that i believe that the breakage of that wand was energetic because i myself have has i've never seen a wand break i don't know have you yeah, but then again, I've a lot of trial and error making them over the years. <laughs> yeah, and, and now, do you do still do potions? Because you're also a potions master, an accomplished uh, potions master. Not, a, not as much as I would if I wasn't living out of boxes all freaking year. So I'm not going to go into that right now. I'm trying to get beats. <laughs> but um, yes, I, I still have um, a few of the tinctures that I've made that I have at the ready in case I need them. Um, I've made the elixir of life that I still take from time to time, and um, I still work with teas specifically and um, essential oil blends. I still have those out ready for access. Um, so I, I have a neighbor across the hall. Um, sometimes she needs help or you know that her baby needs something to help them sleep, and I'm the first person she turns to, and I'll say, what's going on? She'll tell me. Here, hold this. Now I throw something together, and he's fine the next day. So, um, yeah, I, I still do stuff like that on a regular basis, but it's a lot less frequent now because I've been in the middle of this move, and that's been prolonged and prolonged, and like ninety-nine percent of my stuff is packed up. So, I, it's a lot harder to really access things to efficiently work with what I'm supposed to. 
And what is that? What What are you supposed to be working with? If you don't mind sharing with us. It's really kind of anything. No, like I said, I'm like mostly packed up. But like if I need to work with, um, with like making an herbal remedy or herbal tincture or something, it's I've got to be resorted to stuff that I specifically have in my spice drawer because, or, or like a, a tea that's like a, a celestial seasonings brand tea or something, or uh, just literally do prayer charged water or something like that because all my jars of dry herbs and uh, root chunks and all the stuff that I work with, my potion ingredients, for the most part, you, know, you can use some spices and stuff, obviously it's herbal, depending on what you're using it for, on the medicinal qualities, but uh, a lot of my stuff is already packed up. Uh, most of my cauldrons are packed up. Another thing like wands, I have far too many cauldrons more than anyone should ever have. And um, I just want to see your cauldron collection all together one day, if that ever happens, because these cauldrons are amazing. Like, you actually cook in a cauldron. Some of the cauldrons I actually do cook in, and I have two that I have left out that I still work with on a regular basis for cooking. I have a small um, size, one-half uh, cast iron flat-bottom koiki, and that's seasoned regularly. I cook regularly in it. And then I have a size three flat-bottom cast iron koiki, and that's also seasoned regularly and cooked in. In fact, I used that on um, October 30th for a Halloween party with the family when I had brewed up uh, a very beautifully made um, spiced apple orange cider in that. Um, so I still actively use them. Um, but because the size, those two um, being smaller than the big one, I actively use those, but I don't really use them for my potion making because I don't, don't want any of the herbal, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want like the herbal essences to get imbued within the actual iron of the cooking with that for those for the cooking pots if it's if i'm using a little bit of herbs like an actual cooking to season it that's fine but if i'm actually going to be steeping something in alcohol or i'm going to be steeping something in vinegar vinegar cast iron will ruin it if you're not careful with how much and how long anyway but um i have a copper cauldron that's um it's about the size of an extra large measuring cup it's about that size and i like to use that one a lot with my potion making because copper is a lot easier to clean out than cast iron and because it's not a porous metal like cast iron is it's um it's easier to wash out and it's, it's a lot easier to work with if i'm going to do oil blends in there along with uh, herbs or if i'm going to do herbs and alcohol or herbs and vinegar or whatever then i, I prefer to use the copper cauldron for my herbal potions um but also that could be a relative term uh i could just have a glass of water and just concentrate on that and charge that with prayer and visualizing light and intention going into that and that's an effective potion um even if you're not intending to actually work energy into something, if you're just speaking to it and you're speaking from your heart, like you're talking to it, like it's a loved one or it's to someone you're trying to heal, that itself can actually turn it into a potion, even if you're not a spiritual practitioner at all, because the energy and the power of the intention spoken behind the words actually changes the molecular structure of the water molecules 
And that has been studied by Dr. Imoto, I think his name is, and it's been proven with different test subjects focusing on water or focusing on emotions whenever there's artificial snuggling in a room or something. And all the molecules of water from that room where everyone's focusing on one emotion or saying the same thing, they all replicated each other as opposed to someone else in another room that was focusing on something else. And if you can, if you can manipulate the water molecules in a, a glass of water or in the snow around you by what you're saying, and that also implies you can change the water molecules and your health by drinking in the water or by talking to yourself. And um, you, can, you can basically turn your own blood into a potion by that, by that knowledge if you actively apply it and put faith and energy into that. You're, you're talking about infusing your own blood running through your body currently with divine energy and intention, intention to heal an issue in your body. Is that what you mean? Yes, that can be done. Love it. Family, do you see why I've been begging um, Jared to teach in the mystery school? And by the way, Jared, your your cohort, your divine uh, potions maker sort of partner is right above your head. Her icon is right above your head. She makes potions. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Hi, Devotion. Hi, Jerry. I already embossed you. Ah. <laughs> 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 on here or on Instagram? Where? On here. On here. Yes, okay. You so Oh yeah, y'all are definitely connected. Jared, do you know how to check the back channel? Um, it's that little tiny arrow. I think I see it. Yeah, down to the lower right, above, hovering above your microphone. There's like a little arrow back channel. Okay, yeah, just that. Yeah, where you? Devotion. I don't have any wands that I have. I've to. No send or give out. I don't make any anymore. Um, I don't know if Val still has any that she was hanging on to for any of the mystery school students. You're talking about the wands? Is yeah, that what's the question? Said, um, oh yeah, I have a collection of wands. But she was asking if uh, about possibly sending her a wand. I don't make the wands anymore, um, and I don't have any that I can no, that I uh, that I have to give. And even if I did, like everything, everything's packed. But um. Uh, Val, the, from the ones that I sent you that oh, yeah. you did, or that uh, your um, the, the mystery school, you said that you were going to show those to the mystery school and whoever was drawn to one that that would be theirs. Do you still have any of those left over that she might be um, finding her connection with? Oh, for sure. As a matter of fact, Devosha, are you going to be in Virginia Beach with us? Because I'm going to have some of them with yes, me there. All right. Yes, yeah, I don't know if the ones that she'll have there, Devosha. I don't know if, those, if any of those are actually the ones that I myself have made, but they are definitely very, very well-made ones regardless. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm sure that you'll find a good one there. If not, then I can um, I can give you some good recommendations of where to look or even um, how to even make your own. Um, in fact, um, I, I will confess, there will be one more wand that I will be making at some point in the future. And um, it's going to be my own. And it's going to be 
actually replicated exactly the way my mom taught me how the wand is supposed to be made by how she had learned it. Now, she never really used wands. No, she, that was never part of her practice or tradition or uh, my grandma's, but she, she taught me that, um, and this was years before I actually started actually making and I made them in a little bit different way. But um, she had taught me that the best one is actually, it's either made by yourself or by somebody who deeply loves you. Whether it's romantic, family love, best friend love, as long as somebody who loves and respects you or it's yourself. And you go to a tree that you connect with and you get a branch from that, that you can easily see the one within. And just whittle it down until it's smooth, it has the shape that feels right sand it down so it's smooth and what you do is whenever you have significant life lessons that you've learned um whether whether it's through uh heartbreak or trials or something that you've had to overcome through um the battling depression and you no longer have depression anymore or uh if you've learned a very valuable skill that has healed a lot of people or helps a lot of people after you've learned it and know teach others or you perform that skill now that put symbols on the wand no carbon symbols one way or the other or woodland symbols and put that symbol representing what you have learned and it's actually going to be more of like lifelong journey wand or journal wand sort of having if you were to look at it in the end towards the end of your life you would have symbols for you know you look at the symbol and you say okay that's whenever i recognize my spiritual path that symbol is whenever I learned how to heal others. This symbol is whenever I learned how to heal myself. This symbol is whenever I learned to find peace and healing by the ocean. This symbol is whenever I learned that the sun is the source of all the light. And things like that. Um, whenever you have these symbols on there, don't put varnish over. Or if you do, you have to do a lot of different coats or anything. Don't paint it. Just leave the one as it is and polish it by beeswax. This way, it has the polish, it has the sign, but whenever a time, the, the time comes for you to actually put another symbol on for whatever lesson you've learned in life, then you can do that and just put another coat of the beeswax to polish over at that time, and the one's going to be preserved, it's going to be beautiful, um, and it's going to uh, hold true to you still adding to it whenever the time is right. Um, so I, I, at some point, I, I confess, I will make another one. And it will be specifically the way that she taught me. Um, all that she taught me that back when I was like 10 years old, I think. Because she was making me an oak wand. But at the time, I was too immature with understanding spirituality and magic. And, uh, I've always been a huge Harry Potter fan, of course. Um, and that's where she you know, made the wand from was because I wanted a wand you know, as a Harry Potter fan. And um, you know, it, at some point, you know, I... I had a hard time in my really late childhood, like early, like around eight to 11 in that time frame. I admit I had a very hard time with differentiating between uh, the reality of magic and fantasy magic. And because uh, I, I just felt connected to it either which way. And I was so obsessed with it that I would bring uh, books into school and I'd be focusing on that instead of the schoolwork and everything I got in a lot of trouble and she snapped the wand and uh, she took away the you know, Harry Potter magic gag and stuff as a way to kind of not just punish but to um, 
help me realign my focus towards the reality of what I'm actually working with and, you know, um, you know what's going on in my life right then. Uh, so I don't have that wand anymore. And it was a few, it was about, uh, I don't know, I started making wands again when I was 16. Um, I'm 26 now. And uh, I was making wands again when I was 16 years old and I was just carving. I was just carving different sticks and branches that I would find and, uh, you know, staining them or painting them and uh, eventually selling them. You know, friends wanted to buy them from me. So that's how uh, I started the actual, uh, at the time, I was using the, um, the spirit name. Um, oh, God, what was it? It wasn't Light Wolf. That was after. I, was, I forget exactly what it was, but I was using the spirit name. And then... Um, over time, that evolved into... It did have business. something to do with the wolf, though, didn't it? Because then you went to that Light Wolf? That, yeah, my, my last spirit name was Light Wolf. Um, but this one before was different. I forget exactly what it was, but it was before this. But I started actually doing the, my business then, like selling to eBay and to friends. But, um, yeah, eventually I became Light Wolf, and then I actually had an official business whenever I was uh, selling a lot of them and uh, I set up a, a stand outside of the Harry Potter festival and I was selling, I, I made over $120 that night alone. But, um, yeah, uh, I just got, part of my uh, reason for stopping altogether was I was getting too caught up in, um, in manufacturing the wands rather than actually connecting with the idea of why I'm even making it. And not just with that, but I became way too focused on putting all my faith and energy into the correspondences of um, the, the, the new meaning behind the number of the dish tattered up for the length of the wand or the type of wood it was and uh, what type of magic that was associated with comparing that to what details I'm putting on, I became way too fixated on the correspondences and I lost um, I lost a lot of um, faith in my own natural skill for just kind of intuitively putting things together or um, uh, you know, just letting the wand shape itself and um, that was a big thing and then also around the same time I was also uh, putting God on the back burner, I was uh, losing a lot of my faith in um, in prayer because I was replacing prayer with spell work, and I was uh, granted my most of my spells were extremely successful and very powerful, but it was taking away from the spiritual practice that I'm supposed to be following in this lifetime, and. Um, I, my psychic ability actually had been so damaged that I had the absolute worst time with um, with my clairvoyance, absolute worst time with getting accurate intuition um, because I was relying so much on the correspondences of divination. I was relying on the correspondences of uh, working with the wands, and um, I just lost. I basically lost my power. And uh, I had to basically start over from scratch with how God had intended for me to live out my spiritual path in this lifetime. So 
that's why I don't make wands anymore. I would, like I said, I'll make the one because it's going to be a connection to what mom had taught me. And that's very special and important to me, especially after she's passed. But, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't make them anymore. Um, I definitely, like I said, I can give you plenty of advice on it, on what to look for, what type of wood to work with. I'm not talking about like ash or willow or oak or anything, but the quality. Um, I can give you pointers for sure, and I can put you in the right direction on doing it yourself or, you know, reputable places that you can, you know, buy a wand that's very well made um, and at a very reasonable cost. But, uh, yeah, coming from me, that's, that's – I just realized how long I've been talking. Basically, it's a long-ass explanation for I don't do that anymore. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. Devosha, have you ever been to Salem? Thank you for that, Jerry. You know, I have been um, living down, but after seeing your recent visit, I would like to. I did drive up to Massachusetts uh, two years ago for a 10-day sound retreat. And um, on my way driving back, I was driving to Baltimore. I, I looked to see how far I was. And it was too much of a detour then, so I didn't go. But I will plan to go. And um, let me just tell you, Robert, I have made my wine. I have, made, I have a wine that I made. Um, it's a tree behind my house that called me, like, last winter. And it called me um, because it was having difficult breathing. I know this sounds crazy, but this is what it told me. Because all of the dead branches had fell around and piled up on the roots. So I just started removing the branches. It was like a whole pile. I like I couldn't believe it. But I just started removing all the branches. And then um, one of the branches um, just resonated when I picked it up and I kept that branch. And I kept that branch and, um, and it wasn't until later that I made it to a wine. But here's the thing, this tree has always stood out to me, and I didn't know really why, and remember, this was in the winter, yeah. so because it was in the winter, the tree looked dead, so I really couldn't tell too much about the tree, but oh my God, that summer, when that tree bloomed, it was the biggest tree out there, and it was so tall, I said, let me find that tree up and find out what kind of tree this is, and it was a sycamore tree. Oh, wow. It, it's a sycamore tree, yep. Yeah? So when I sycamore's a beautiful tree. It was so beautiful. I was just amazed. I was like, I could not tell that this tree was going to look like this. I mean, flourishing, long limbs, branches that went on for days. And I was just so amazed. And, and, it, and I understood why the tree felt that way once it was back in the summer in the full bloom. Because it's a huge tree and it probably soaks up so much. So, yeah. A bunch of stuff on the outside of their roots can, can have that effect. I definitely identify with that. But um, so I did get the I did keep the wine and I had a tree made. So um, I mean I, I did I keep the branch. for you for sure. And sycamore is one of the most ancient trees in the world. One of them. Right. That's what I read. And Egyptians used to do a lot of horse. That's what I read. But um, no, Val, I haven't been. One thing I wanted to share about the water. Recently, um, I created a water potion, and the water potion that I, I created, it's, it was something that I woke up from um, last summer, and when I woke up 
last summer, it just, I just got the inclination to go to the beach and start collecting sand and collecting shells. I didn't know what I was collecting for, but I kept the sand and kept the shells. This was in July. And then I ordered these glass bottles, nice size round glass bottles. I kept them, didn't know what for, just kind of took down the instructions. Well, this um, past Halloween, I was invited to a night of fortune to sell some of my crafts and my potions. And um, the, the week, week, weekend, I was making stuff. Well, I made this mommy water potion. And on the mommy water potion. Ooh, um, mommy water. Oh, my God. When I tell you how powerful this was and how, how it affected me this week, it was really something because, first of all, how I didn't take my advice. So I only made seven of them. And on the Mommy Water Potion, um, it's the sand that I collect that Cindy. It's some, some um, seaweed in it and the shells. And on the Mommy Water Potion, I vote to enhance spiritually, uh, to align with water, energy, health, wealth, and wisdom. From the sea to me, let this be flowing to me generously. Well, what came to me was, even though the sea is a good place, water is a good place for healing, but when we go to the beach and we go to these um, water places, we really, I don't know how much we realize that it represents the vastness. These oceans represent vastness. Even the sands on the beach, if we was to grab a handful of sand, if we, we couldn't even count the little grains of sand in our hand, again, more vastness. And for me, this particular vastness is something that you can capture and tune into when you tune into the water energy. So anyway, long story short, I made this potion. Oh my God, I told everybody who bought it, check this out. I told everyone who bought it, listen, this is powerful, this is strong, don't use the whole bottle. I said, you're gonna want to, when you open it and smell the fragrance, it's very alluring. You're going to want to use the whole bottle, but don't. Just pour maybe a quarter off. This should last you for a month or two. The only to do this bad once a month. Okay. Fast forward. Oh, Sunday night. Sunday night. I'm taking my water bath. I mean, I'm taking my regular bath, and I chose to use that. I set the stage to prepare to use that. I pour it in. Oh, my God. As soon as I cracked the seal, I was like, oh, my God. This is really, really good. And so I poured it. I wind up using pouring the whole bottle in and when I tell you this week every night has just been such a rich night I felt like I journeyed to another place and in the journeys I was getting potions verbatim I was waking up saying them in my sleep it was just so well and it's been going on ever since I said why did I use that whole bottle but the bottom line is water has so many levels of mysteries and powers to it that we have only touched the surface, I'm sure. So I just wanted to share that. And um, I wanted to thank Lady Ningasaw, I hope I'm saying your name correctly, for sharing that, your story, um, sharing that with us. I think that that was powerful. And um, I really just, I just wanted to say thank you because every time I listen to any of my spiritual soul family and your stories on this um, in this room is always something that I needed to hear. So thank you for this, Reverend Bath. I'm complete.
I thought of it, it instantly took me to Benin, Togo, in that region. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the mother, the great primordial mother, because in that in that uh, knowing, yeah, it's it's um, this is more Vodun, the predecessor of Voodoo. And in Vodun, Mami Wata is the great mother of the universe. Oh, wow. Uh Uh-huh. It's pronounced, it's Mami, M-A-M-I-W-A-T-A. Yeah, W-A-T-A, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mami Wata. Um, but um, what I have done in the past was 
last time I, well, time before last that I went to the beach, um, last April of April, 2020, um, I bought a bottle of ocean water there and, uh, whatever I need to, cause right now I live inland. I'm, I'm far away from any of the beaches and, um, whenever I need to kind of feel that peace and the healing of the ocean, I'll take a little bit of it, like a cap full of water, or I'll sprinkle it, sort of like a sprinkle baptism of sorts over myself or over the bed. And um, I feel the energy of the salt water of the ocean just kind of relaxing me or uh, de-stressing me a little bit more at a time. And um, what I had done uh, for on this past Mother's Day, uh, I, my mom had been, you know, she passed away in November. It, it's almost gonna be a year now, coming up towards the end of the month from cancer. Um, she was cremated. My grandmother, you know, she passed away from cancer in 2007. <clears throat> she cremated. But uh, this past Mother's Day, uh, what mom's wishes were, were that her and her mom would be put out at sea because and off the Atlantic, because that's where they felt, you know, the connection. So we went down to uh, Sebastian Inlet off uh, Palm Bay in Florida. And, um, now, if you look at my picture, that's actually where we released them. That's Sebastian Inlet in my picture. And um, it was beautiful, but there was a really bad riptide, and it was almost a borderline traumatic experience for me because I, it, it was bad. I was literally being knocked down and pummeled in while I'm trying to release her. But uh, what we ended up doing was um, for a memorial water and as a way to kind of bring some uh, healing and cleansing to myself uh, whenever I'm really, really missing them bad or if I just need to kind of feel that peace with the ocean with um, how it's both calm and angry at the same time, um, that I would take a little bit of the water because I got this beautiful flask, not flask, decanter. And it's the kind of decanter that has like the rubber stopper under the uh, ornamental um, lid. So it's not the kind that's like just rough glass that just slides out like a liquor decanter. Um, it, it actually stops up the water and it, it's leak proof. So I got that and it's beautiful, large crystal vial. And uh, we got that filled with, um, with the seawater then right after we released them. And I keep that uh, at a little memorial space um, for my mom and my grandma. And uh, just whenever I kind of need some peace and healing, you know, in relation to them or in relation towards remembering the experience of actually trying to release them. Um, just take a little bit of the water and like I would either, like I mentioned with the seawater before, either sprinkling over myself or sprinkling over the bed or over my chair or something. Well, it's sort of like a little sprinkle baptism. That's just what I'm thinking of to describe it. But I don't use a lot of it because I want this to last indefinitely a long time. Like, this is not going to run out. And, um, I get the energy, you know, the, the healing energy from the sea whenever I need it this way. I love that. We have had a rich conversation about the water element today, didn't we? I mean, we deep dove into Noah. We deep dove into the Noahs all around the world. Robert came in and, Robert, please let everyone know what your Patreon is because Robert sings for us in the, in the, uh, in, um, in church and so Robert let people know what your Patreon is because um, he's 
just an incredible, incredible being in our community. I so, so, so appreciate you, Robert. And I want to make sure you always know that, that we deeply appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. I love the community. Really, really glad that I found it through Bitcoin. But uh, <laughs> another story. Uh, the Patreon is uh, Roberto Del Rey. If you just Google that, uh, my page will come up. And uh, I, I enjoy, love sharing uh, my gift outside of the... Uh, the box of opera. So thank you. Thank you very much. Indeed. Indeed. And uh, I put the little link up top because I want you to tell your peeps family, tell your peeps, anyone who's magically inclined or who would love to offer their gifts into the world or who would love to join a group of magical beings. The mystery school is open and the initiation program starts very soon. The uh, Christian Witches Convention is next year on Memorial Day weekend. Jared, it's not Easter weekend next year, so yay! This will be the first time us coming together in a couple of years, considering what was going on in 2020 and 2021. And I was interviewed um, on O.T. Winoko YouTube channel, and I told him about it. He's uh, in Ghana. He's this big media person in Ghana. And oh my goodness, he interviewed me on Friday and it was a hot, 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 lively discussion. And he was at the Christian Witches Convention before, so I told him we were going to be in New Orleans. I think he's making plans to be there too. He took pictures, he recorded video, and it was incredible. So we got the Christian Witches Convention coming up and the, um, the tickets going on sale. Yes! On 11-11, we'll be going, we'll, the tickets go on sale on 11-11 and we will be coming together on Memorial Day weekend. Next year in 2022, I mean, it starts on Ascension, Ascension Day, which is Thursday, and we go to Sunday, and then you have Monday off to be with your family, and bring families, bring kids, bring everybody. Robert, we got a, uh, I was asking the witches the other day, and I'm going to ask you too, Robert, about the theme, because um, we haven't come up with a theme yet for Sunday, Saturday night. We had AH, AHS, American Horror Story, and you killed it, you and Divine Lady then her saw killed it. So, yeah, we got to figure out, is it Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter? We got a few things on the table or something else. I don't know. So. What just came to me right now, you're thinking about this and what, uh, just hearing you. Literally, the first thing that I, I, I see right now, sort of like um, uh, the room is a, uh, I can't think of the word, sort of like a, not a ballroom, but it's like a convention room, not I don't know how to, there's like some sort of like party room in like some sort of hotel or whatever, but it's rented out, it's it's yours. And what I see is I'm seeing you and some guests that are embodiments of, uh, of the elements. I see somebody who's like dressed like all in like kind of blues and greens, like, like water and have like... Uh, water mermaid sort of like decor on them i see somebody who's like all in leaves and green dresses and uh vines all over them and i'm seeing someone with like kind of like a wispy flowing sort of robe with like a lot of um like feathers and stuff like the air i'm seeing something more along elemental like i'm actually seeing this right now as you're talking so maybe that's something you might consider i don't know that's yummy lady divine lady in her song queen bosh do you like that one Yes, that's yummy. <laughs> so she, I don't know if I'm 
Well, I know. I don't know anything about this. Just as you're talking, that's all I see. So I figured might as well say it now before I forget. Yes, indeed. She she's she was laughing her wicked laugh. Did anyone hear that? She was laughing the wicked laugh. So now, now I'm scared. So let's see. <laughs> no. <laughs> The last time it was American Horror Story, and oh my goodness, do we have so much fun with American Horror Story. Oh my God. And and Robert to this day, uh, uh, yeah, him and Papa Legba, I think they're now permanently fused in my mind now after seeing that. <laughs> he was Papa Legba. Yeah, he was Papa Legba. Okay, I remember you. Now. You remember the pictures? There. Did you see the pictures? Yes, Robert was Papa Legba. Okay, okay, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I got you. <laughs> oh my goodness, he, he was such a good Papa Legba that I was a little afraid. <laughs> he was literally Queen Vashti. Was he literally channeling the energy of Papa Legba? Like he was in, he was in total um, character all night. Oh yes, Robert did that. Robert did that. I mean, I don't know about your spiritual practices, but um, yeah, Papa Legba definitely was coming through. It was fascinating. It was. It's the, I love Salem. Period. So I'm biased, but <laughs> the Christian Witches Convention, the first ever Christian Witches Convention, was absolutely fabulous. And then our global meditation happened, so we didn't get to do it the following year, which we were going to do GOT for all the Game of Thrones fans. But um, we have another opportunity. Yeah, because we can... Mm -hmm. I'll continue, Queen Vashti. Oh, no, I was going to say we have another opportunity to... Uh, have our voting so we can see what we're going to come up with. But I do absolutely love that element idea. I love that. I, I love the elements too. Yeah, you could do a lot with the elements. I think it's a cool idea. Like I said, that's just what came to me. I wasn't like trying to, I've always been really good with like party themes and stuff, but I wasn't trying to uh, come up with an idea. It's just that's exactly what instantly came to mind as you were even you weren't even done talking and I was saying it. So, but I, I I think that could be pulled off pretty well if you guys do choose to go that route. Yeah, and maybe you may even join us. It's Memorial Day weekend, so you got plenty of time. We're gonna be in New Orleans this time, and next year, next year, twenty twenty two. Yep, they have plenty of time. Yeah. I should I should be able to, and hopefully, I know it'll be in a lot easier place where it would be easier to commit to that um, than where I'm at now, but uh, whether actually geographically and financially, so we'll, we'll see how that works out. Um, the only point of contention would be um, being able to find a place for Queenie, uh, because I'm not going to be able to bring the dog around to whatever hotel we go to, so... I'm going to try to find a place that would get her boarded if I am able to make that commitment and actually go. But, um, but yeah, I, I should have an easier time with uh, trying to make that work for, for me to actually go next month. That's beautiful because you're so good at parties and you're so good at the whole costume thing and the animation and all of it. So yeah, and the family would love to meet you. Wow, they would love to meet you. I've been 
I've been wanting to meet the, the family for years. Years? <laughs> yes. At some point within the next few years, I, I fully plan on going to Sedona, whether it's on a retreat or just by myself. I don't know. Hopefully with a retreat, that'd be nice. But um, I do want to go to Sedona. Um, I do fully plan on going to Salem at some point in October of whether this coming year, year after, whatever. Um, yeah, you'll make your rounds to all the magical places. You will definitely make your rounds. Because, look, you're 26. At 26, I was still stuck in Jehovah's Witnesses. I wasn't even thinking about doing anything like that. Or if I was thinking about it, it was such a deep aspiration that I did not yet acknowledge. That's why when I came up, Bray, right, on 2930, that's why I had that soul-opening experience of die or live, live or die. Take yourself out or live. And I chose live. Let me uh, do what I came here to do. It, like They were like, remember, you came here to do something. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. I did. Okay, I'm on it. And wow. So eventually, at the perfect time, in the perfect way, it'll all come together. And if you're listening on the podcast, as this is all recorded for the podcast, and the podcast goes live Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Christian Witches podcast which you can find at christianwitches.com. You can also find it on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's on Google Podcasts as well. Uh, and it's also, if you go to christianwitches.com and you click on the podcast, you can get the links to the podcast as well. The podcast went over a thousand listens lately, and I was so thrilled because people listen because I... We're talking things that are of interest to people. We're talking things that are of deep importance to us in our soul journey. We're talking about matters of the soul. And that is important. It's the most important thing to be talking about. So I love you, family. I'm so thankful you were here with us today. If you know of anyone that really just would love to be with Magical Community, by all means, go ahead and um, click on the initiation link up at the top of the room. You'll see it because the Mystery School is open for our new enrollments. Our new magical beings are coming in, and I love it. Our new magical beings are coming in, and I love it. I love working with people for them to unfold and unpack their greatness, their greatness within. So that is lovely. Any other comments, questions before we conclude? Thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. All right. Love y'all family. Have a beautiful day. Peace and love. The, the podcast will be out tonight. Love you. Peace. Thanks, Queen Vashti. Thanks. Thanks to Nelzia. Thank you. Love you.